Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our assembled hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What was your first car? Remember your first car? What was your first car? A 1949 Ford. Awesome. Bet you wish you still had that. What's your first car? A 59 Morris Minor. Amazing. What was your first car? Tony, what was your first car? A 53 Chevy. My first car was a 1970 Mercury Capri. I put $1,250 into that car to buy it and another $5,000 to get it to run. I love that car. I wish I had it back. Coolest car in the world. Straight four cylinders on top, 2,000 uh, cubic inches of displacement, little four speed on the floor. It was just a cool car. The trouble was that it, it just wasn't engineered with the engineering we have today. And so the seats broke. And having worked at McDonald's, I put picket bu pickle buckets behind the seats so that they wouldn't go all the way back. <laughs> I had to rebuild the carburetor put a carburetor kit in. For those of you who know, you can kind of smile and say, yeah, I know what a carburetor was. I used to do that. Even our Briggs and Stratton lawnmowers used to be able to rebuild that little carburetor and, 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 and fix it up. I, I love that little car. I remember that the grommets for the back windows that pushed out didn't work. And one day in the Santa Ana, the window blew out and I had to put cardboard back there only to find that you couldn't find windows to fit that car because Mercury didn't it was just crazy. Finally, I sold that car for $250 less than I paid for it, short on the investment, probably about $5,250. But, you know, I thought that I had hung the moon in that car. But when I drove that car, my dad said, there's only so far you can go. You can't go to the beach in that car. You can't go to Disneyland in that car. You can go to work. You can go to Lutheran High. You can go down to your buddy's house. But that's it. That car is not safe. Which begs the question, why would you let me buy that car if it's not safe? <laughs> I had to laugh. The gentleman who kept that car running uh, comes to 8 o'clock service. And I just had to have a laugh. He wasn't here this morning, but I just had to have a laugh when he walked in. And I thought, you got to be kidding me, but that car was... But there were parameters. You couldn't go to Imperial Highway in the brand new Brea Mall. Uh, I grew up on the corner of Rio Vista and Lincoln, which is very near... Uh, 57 and 91 intersection um, so I couldn't go much past Harbor in Anaheim and Lincoln I couldn't go down past 17th Street and I wasn't allowed to go into Anaheim Hills because the clutch and the sheriff D and you you know if you had a car like that I remember the car didn't have a speedometer and I got picked up and pulled over going eastbound on Lincoln Avenue at State College and I pulled into what was a Ralph's parking lot at that point by the Boston store in the Kmart <laughs> and uh, the officer from Anaheim PD said, uh, how fast were you going? And I said, he said, no, he said, would it surprise you to know how fast you were going? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I really would kind of be surprised to know how fast I was going. I have absolutely no idea how fast I was going. None. Would it surprise you to know you're going 66 into 35? And I'm like, yeah, it's surprising. I didn't know. <laughs> right? Sin boldly, Dr. Luther said. So that car was just something that 
you know, you followed the signs and you got where you were going. You all had cars like that where your mom or dad put you in and said, now drive and be safe. Follow the signs. Get to where you're going. Do what you need to do. Get where you need, you need to be. Even with GPS, you need to follow the signs because everything's not as linear as Orange County. When you're in another city or state where maybe there's water by the, uh, a river that runs through the town and all the roads are cattywampus and, and even when you get on your GPS, you're like, wait a minute, this thing dies right here at the river and I've got to get across and I don't know. And you calmly say, follow the signs. Follow, follow the signs and see where, you, where you're going to end up. So follow the signs with me, if you would, a little bit down the 57 freeway and the 55 from long, long ago. This is where I grew up, off Lincoln and the 57. And so when we got on and we were coming home, whichever way, you look for Lincoln Avenue and you knew you were almost there, but this time we're going south. And then we'd end up on 17th Street. That's where my friend Jeff lived. We'd pick up Jeff. And then against my father's orders, we'd go south in the Capri. And we'd go past this sign, Edinger Street. We're going north or south. You know through the signs. Now we're going to go through the big one down there, MacArthur Boulevard. Now you're starting to see the temperature go down and you're starting to understand where we're heading and what's going on. For those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s in Southern California, the next one is where the nursery used to be at what used to be the end of the 55 freeway. And you know you're getting close. Where do you think we're going to end up? How do you know? There's the signs. You look at the signs and you know. So too, the scripture from Luke chapter 20, you look at the signs and you know where you're going to end up. Jesus looks at the signs. Jesus knows where he's going to end up. And it's not a happy place. He's teaching and leading, and, 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 and as he teaches and leads, he's being brought in and goaded into conversations. And so this parable from Luke chapter 20 is, is a sign of where Jesus is going to end up. And he knows where he's going to end up. And the chief priests and the religious leaders are, are trying to figure out where he's going to end up and, and how they're going to get rid of him and how they're going to kill him. Because when he speaks this parable, he speaks directly against them. The parable of the tenants. Jesus says, the, the father, the, the owner of the vineyard sent a servant and you killed him. And he sent another servant and you killed that one too. And then he sends his son and you're going to kill that one. And you can almost see the religious leaders kind of rubbing their chins and saying, what in the world is he talking about? But as soon as Jesus begins talking about the vineyard, they go back to Isaiah, to the song of the vineyard. And, and they look at one another and they go, you, you rabbi are talking about us. And that's not cool. You don't bring parameters to us. We're the religious leaders of the day. We've got this all figured out. We are the smart people. We are the connected people. We're the economically viable part of the church. So you just be quiet. Go away. And we'll, we'll take care of the religious order here. What Jesus was saying to those people that day is, we sent the prophet, you killed him. We sent another prophet, you killed that one. And here stands before you the son of the owner of the vineyard. And now you're going to take him out too. Signs of the times. What are the signs in your life of where you're going and what you're doing and who you are? 
Because those existential questions are key. If you don't follow the signs and you don't know where you're going, wherever you end up, well, there you be. What signs are you following in your life? Some people follow the signs of, of, of economics and dollar signs. And they say, well, I get to where I'm going. I, I, I want to have a, a, a whole bunch of, of dollars. And then, and then I will know that I've arrived. Except that when you arrive at that, it, it, it's not the fulfilling peace that necessarily you would think. Others sacrifice to the, to the sign of physical fitness and fun and recreation. They say, if I just had more fun, my life would be more fulfilling. I'd have it all figured out. I would be great. And so I follow the sign to LA Fitness. I follow the sign to the beach. I follow the sign to running and exercising and all this stuff that's good for me. And somehow I, I, I get to where I think I want to be and it's just not here for me. There's something still missing in my heart and in my life. There could be something bigger that I attach myself to than just me. What are the signs that you follow in your life? Or maybe another question to consider is, where are you going in your life? Because if you don't know where you're going, anywhere's okay, I guess. We follow as Christians the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross is our sign. And Luke chapter 20, that cross comes into focus in a marvelous way. Jesus isn't afraid of it. He's going to get nailed to it. And Jesus doesn't look and say, God forbid. Jesus looks and says, bring it on. Let's go. You guys are going to get after it with me by Friday. You're going to be standing up lying in a kangaroo court. But that cross is the instrument, not just of execution, but the instrument of redemption. The instrument of the redemption of the world. And I'm not skirting it, and I'm not going away from it. As a matter of fact, everything I teach, and everything I do, and everything I say to you guys and to the people who I know and love, all of those are leading me to the cross. And on that cross, I'm going to give it all up. I'm going to make payment for the vineyard, for my people, for the ones who will come after. Because the heart of the Father who sent me is a heart of love for God's people. See, we follow the sign of the cross. Some people think that's stupid. Why would you follow that? That's dumb. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Right, that's dumb. We want signs that point to self. And yet as Christians, we point to the cross and say, my identity is there in Jesus. My value system is there in Christ. I'd rather sacrifice for other people in the name of the Lord. Because that's who God has made and created me to be in Jesus. I love the family from our church. I love all the families from our church. There's a family from our church that was on television not long ago. And the lady said to me, Pastor, did you see the cross? I said, yeah, I saw the cross. And so did probably 10 million other people. Saw the cross around your neck and the cross in your living room as a marvelous witness to the clarity of God's love for you and for all people who look at that cross and say there is where I'm from there's who I am I'm a follower of Jesus and that cross is the sign of my life Newport Beach is great 
I remember towing my dad's camper down to Newport Beach to meet girls from Orange Lutheran, and I lost the keys to the camper in the sand. And I called dad and I said, you don't happen to have another piece of those keys, right? On a, on a, right this is 1984, on a phone with a quarter, right? Remember that? I couldn't text my dad. Smiley face emoji. You don't happen to have any more keys, smiley face emoji. Timothy, where are you at? I told you to get that trailer and get home. Right, I'm on my way home from the beach. <laughs> did not sell that with senior Pastor Klinkenberg. Did not work. I knew where I was going. And I knew I got home. I would be spoken with, but I would be loved. That's just kind of how it works in the vineyard of the Savior. We are loved and cared for and identified as children of the Father. And so the next weeks become critical for us because no matter what you're following, there's an opportunity to repent and turn. We've been speaking about that for the last three weeks. What a marvelous opportunity to look at, at Luke chapter 10 and Luke chapter 13, the Tower of Siloam and the, and the mixture of the blood. We looked and we said, now what? And Jesus said, just repent and turn. We talked about the, the sheep and the coin and the son and, and the power of that story of the prodigal son is the turning of the son towards the father. And it's not too late for us to turn from that. Matter of fact, maybe now is the best time to turn from ourselves and turn to God to the cross, to the sacrifice of Jesus, and for the powerful love that God has for you. So next Sunday is this Sunday, Palm Sunday. And a lot of y'all are going to be working with me and a lot of eh, Palm Sunday. We get the kids with the palms coming in the side door and coming down the aisle, and they sing with their little voices, all glory, Lord, and honor. And we stand about where Matthew and Bill are and Tony and Fred. And we read the gospel from the midst of the people. Why? So that the cross is in focus in your life. And that that sign of life is a sign for you. And then we move from the parade to the supper. Where Jesus gathers his disciples and says, I'm leaving and I'm out. But you're going to be left and I'm going to make you strong. You wear the name Christian. You wear the name Jesus. And you're going to be resilient and tough. I will be with you always. And then Friday night will be here. And this place will be jammed, right? Jammed on Friday night. Come early on Friday night, but don't miss it. Because we go through the whole story of the cross. And we got a strepitus, which is this huge, booming sound that reminds us of our redemption in Jesus, that the cross stands for us and when that slams, we hear the words of Jesus, it is finished. Your redemption is complete. Then where do we go? We go on the road. There's that little bit of time, Friday night, Saturday. We kind of do our thing. We color our eggs and we hide them. We buy Reese's peanut butter cup candy and we hide it from the kids and they find most of them and then you're mowing the yard and you find a couple more and this is kind of how it works. And then Easter Sunday morning comes. And we go bonkers. Because our identity is found in the life of Christ. The sacrifice for our sins paid for at the cross 
But in the life of Jesus, we find our trajectory and the goal and the purpose of our life. Because the sign of the cross and the sign of the open tomb leads us there. To the arms of the Savior in eternity. To follow after Jesus down the road in the way of the cross until he calls us home. If you don't know where you're going and you don't follow the signs, then wherever you are, then there you be. And that's okay. I don't want to live that way. I need more purpose and meaning in what I do and a stronger sense of identity in who I am. But one day, I want to be there with the Father's arms wrapped around me, wrapped around all of us, and Him saying, that vineyard, that thing with that guy, that son who died, that was me. And I'm alive and I'm with you. And I love you. And you'll be, be with me for eternity. Is that cool? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's the best. So as we walk towards Easter, clarity and focus of that cross till we get to the arms of Jesus. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, that guides us in the way of truth and peace, that speaks words of identity and affirmation to our hearts and reminds us that we belong to you. Bless us on our journey to Easter. Help us see the signs all the fun stuff, Lord, rabbits and eggs and candy and all that. that. That's such a joyful thing. And little pastel dresses and little patent leather shoes and all that, you know, all that good stuff that goes with it. And yet along with that and, and driving that is the cross behind it. And the love that our Savior has for each one of us. Let that be our marker. Let that be our identity. And draw that into the focus of our souls and our lives. Be with us as we make preparations. Fill our lungs with the spirit of grace. Fill our eyes with the marvelous countenance of your love. And bless our gatherings with family and loved ones. And most notably, Lord, bless our gathering here in that place, this place. Gather us together as your children. In Jesus' name we pray.